0: You're listening to Hello Francis, a podcast for curious creatives and nano entrepreneurs who seek knowledge purpose and community. Hello Francis is brought to you by the creative firm and solutionist agency, Francis Roy. Our lineup of guests, friends, and mentors candidly share their diverse wisdom and experience. We do all of this in less than 30 minutes. Let's get started. Hello, you're listening to Hello, Francis. I'm your host, Chantel, and I am very, very excited about our guest today for multiple reasons and all all of that's going to unfold, but um, we have with us Steve Pacheco with the American Advertising Federation. He's the CEO there, and it's such a pleasure to have you.
1: Well, thank you, Chantel. I'm really excited to be here and grateful for the opportunity to talk a little bit about a couple of my favorite subjects today.
0: Perfect. So some of your favorite subjects, I think, are some of my favorite subjects, and we don't talk a lot about advertising here in this space, so I'm very excited that we're going to do that today. Before we dial in, let's lay the groundwork of your credibility, if you will. Can we talk about you for a second and and your background and how you got to this journey where you're serving AAF?
1: Sure. It's it's a really... I think, interesting story about, you know, sort of coming full circle from where I started. And as a kid growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, I uh, was always drawn to the psychology and the business of advertising. It always was very compelling to me. I would literally, you know, tear apart any commercial I saw or any, any visual communication and try to get at the heart of, you know, how they crafted it that way or what the insight behind it was or you know why it was targeted to that audience it just it fascinated me and i was really intrigued by it from a very early age so I, you know it's rare that someone knows what they want to be preteen, but i think in my case i knew i was going to gravitate towards advertising in one way or the other so i started out being a, a journalism major back then they didn't have degrees in advertising proud to say i graduated from the, the university of memphis here at home and majored in, in mass communications and journalism, which was the closest thing that they had to advertising. And as part of that, got actually caught up in a, a wonderful program that the AAF sponsors each year called the National Student Advertising Competition, or NSAC, and, and my year way back when, it was Maxwell House Coffee. And, and you've got to remember, this is obviously pre-internet days, but it was also pre-K-Cup days and pre-Starbucks days and all that. As a you know, as a class assignment, juniors and seniors in college had to spool up an entire campaign for the client, and then present it at at regional and then ultimately at national competitions. And I was really proud that that my little ragtag bunch from University of Memphis made it to second place in our in our district, which I thought was pretty good. That was, that was the whole southeast. And I think from that moment on, I was hooked on both advertising and the AAF as a jumpstart to my career and as a opportunity to network and connect and have access to real advertising professionals across the country. So I went on from University of Memphis, found the only job I could, which was working at the daily newspaper at the time, uh, selling ads and, and drawing up ads and making ads and writing ads. And, you know, it's a small team. So we did a little bit of everything. And that got my hands dirty and really helped me understand the whole core of how advertising is made and how it takes a team and how it's a fundamental team effort to, to put together, you know, a, a nice tight concept that actually does some business and sells for a customer or a client. Really enjoyed that, had a great time with it, worked my way up through the uh, ranks there and, and ultimately developed a team that just promoted actual advertising in the newspaper back then memphis had two daily newspapers they had a morning and an evening newspaper that's how old i am and that's how long ago that was but it was it was a really great foundation to build on so that i understood and appreciated teamwork deadlines insights working together to get the best message crafted that you could and as a young person it was really you know great training grounds you know i would work in the afternoons and put the paper to bed by the time the first edition rolled out at midnight you go home and get a little bit of sleep in time for your eight or nine o'clock classes the next morning. So it also taught me a great deal about work ethic and just what it took to uh, to succeed. And then from there, I, I got recruited to a small ad agency in Memphis. I became a partner at age 26 or seven, and we grew it into Memphis's second or third largest ad agency. Had a great run. some really fine work for a lot of, of local and regional clients. It was called Humphreys Inc. And we had a great run. We really, really... We're making up the rules as we went along. We didn't have a playbook. We didn't know what we were doing, but we sure had fun and did great work that we were really proud of. And so uh, as part of that, I still maintained a relationship with AAF Memphis, the local chapter, and at 28 or 29, I think I was one of their youngest presidents ever. They gave me the keys to the kingdom and let me run the the club for a year. And I didn't run it into the ground. We actually had a really great year. And so that was an opportunity for me to have leadership position at a very young age for, you know, an industry that I cared a lot about and really had passion for. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you that that type of leadership opportunity is available through the AAF for young people and people at all stages of their lives to be able to connect, get a real leadership opportunity and prove yourself and your worth and also build out your network as you're coming up the ranks of your career. Mm -hmm. Left there went to my first, you know, corporate job which was um, a client of ours at the agency, was International Paper. They had just moved their uh, corporate headquarters to Memphis. They were looking for an advertising manager. It was very, very manufacturing centric organization, but they did do some marketing and I was uh, pleased to take that job and actually uh, steered it into some, some really great you know new waves of marketing for a paper company, a hundred year old paper company. Learned a lot about that, learned a whole lot about uh, creativity and design orientation, and, and, you know, a lot of what we did was spec paper to designers and graphic designers and visual artists, and and that was a lot of fun, getting to work with a lot of creative people, and then from there, went to my next corporate job, which was uh, a little fly-by-night organization in Memphis called FedEx, who (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) I, I learned a whole lot there about culture, and about teamwork, and about ethics, and integrity, and working Again, as part of a team, but also just doing world-class marketing. And pleased to say that through that 20 plus years, I was able to work on 12 Super Bowl commercials, which is a 12-year run, almost unheard of. Probably have done more Super Bowl commercials for one brand than any person that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and each year we would try to outdo ourselves and, and make the Ad Meter top 10 where we could. A lot of pressure, a lot of high stakes there, a lot of eyes watching. And a lot of critics, but I was very, very pleased with the work that we did. It still holds up, and every year around the Super Bowl, I get, I get misty thinking about those days when we were creating great work that really, uh, that really mattered, and, and, and really rallied the company and made everybody feel prouder to work for that organization. Yeah, Left there in 2018, was going to just chill out and come down to 30A and put my toes in the sand and relax and try to enjoy life. And got pulled back into the game, became a a relatively reluctant CMO for a great organization out of Memphis that I'd always had a fondness for. It's called Ducks Unlimited. They're actually the world's largest wetlands conservation organization and uh, needed some help in in brand marketing. I was really, really proud of the work that I did there for a little over a year and got them uh, stood up with some some really solid branding and, and marketing programs that they're still using today, which I'm proud of. And then, and then the AAF came calling that they were looking for a new CEO and they knew that I had been you know, on board both as a student, as a club chapter president, going back to AAF Memphis days. And then 2013, I was the chairman of their board of directors at the national level. So I'd helped run the organization. I was very close to it. No matter where I'd been in my career, I always had an AAF connection and a continuity string running through it. So I was happy to take the call and, and be considered the vetting process was very thorough, and a few months later, after going through a, a lot of vetting, they named me their new CEO back in June of, of last year, so it's been a rocky road, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. For me, technically, it's a, it's a a it's a passion project and a great second chapter to my career, and I get to give back to the industry that's been so kind to me.
0: That's fantastic. What an amazing journey that you've had of learning and trying new things and doing big things. And I think it's, I think it's interesting that you consider this your second chapter because it sounds like you could write a book, frankly.
1: (laughs) I I could if I had the discipline, Chantel, that I'd I'd (laughs) love to. At some point I need to, I need to get to work on that. And you're right. It's, I've had so many different uh, roles and responsibilities along that, that career arc. But I think this is the coda to all that career work and, and something I can feel really, really good about. And something that I can leave behind is a legacy to to myself and my family that that I put in a lot of effort and work towards making the advertising industry better.
0: Well, I I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the American Advertising Federation because here on the Emerald Coast, we are trying to stand to reinvigorate the Emerald Coast chapter of AAF because, as an advert, you know, as an agency owner, and I'm a baby infant agency owner, when this airs, we won our very first five Addies this year, which is big for us, but in the grand scheme of things, these things have been happening forever. It feels like a huge win for us as a, you know, as a bitty, bitty baby. But, you know, what drew, I know me and and a lot of others to AAF is a lot of the foundational principles of the organization, that it truly is a support for those of us in advertising. Could you talk, tell us a little bit about what the AAF is and why it's important, some of your all's big initiatives?
1: Sure, I'm happy to. That's my that's my that's my <laughs> truly favorite topic, Chantel, and I I uh, I love talking about it. And and I'll tell you three things. One is that we're the world's longest tenured advertising trade association. Uh, we were started in 1905, and I won't give you the full history, but you know that's a lot of lot of uh, seasons and a lot of cycles that the organization has been through. So when people ask us how we dealt with COVID, I said, this is not our first crisis. We've Mm -hmm. endured for well over 100 years because of the mission of the organization. Our mission is to protect and promote the profession of advertising, simply stated. And ultimately, to be an advocate for advertising carries a lot of different pieces with it. But we want to tell the good news stories about advertising. And we want to be an infrastructure support system for all of North America. That's that's where we really earn our reputation and our credibility. The the network is about 35,000 professional dues-paying members, about 5,000 college students that are actually dues-paying members of AAF across the country. That's over 200 college campuses that we actually have an active engagement with, almost 200 ad clubs across the country, evenly spread out throughout the entire country, East Coast, West Coast, and, and in the heartland, and really you know, good people doing great things in their community, advancing advertising in their community. A lot of them are very creative by nature. Many of them are entrepreneurial in focus and want to, you know, want to start a new business. I would say that the majority of our professional members are small to mid-sized agency folks and employees and staffers and owners like you. The other bulk of our membership is made up of the support systems that help power advertising. We have... Printing companies and producers and directors and content creators and, and search engine marketing people and and social media experts. You know, anyone and everyone who touches advertising can be a member of the AAF. We're not just for agencies, we're not just for clients. And so that helps our our mantra and our daily mission, which is to be the unifying voice for advertising. We give all of those members the opportunity to have their voice expressed clearly and in their own voice exactly what they're after and exactly what they'd like to see happen in the world of advertising. And so as a body across North America, we feel like we're able to give voice and power to all of those members and connect them with something bigger than they are so that they feel, you know, part of something that's vital and growing and and energizing. You mentioned the local Addies. That's a big, big part of what we do. And to be able to compete at that, to win a national Addy, for instance, you have to win at the local level, the district level, and then at the national level. So it's a three-tiered competitive competition. And, and, you know, to win a national Addy is a really big honor. Last year, we had over 30,000 entries. This year, we were down a little bit. But still, it makes it North America's largest creative competition, judged by experts in the field. And if your work passes the muster there it moves on to the next round and uh, we're very proud of the American Advertising Awards and, and winning an Addy is a very big deal.
0: Yeah. I just want to clarify that our Addies are local Addies, not not national Addies, but we did last year have a national winner come out of our area, Boat Paddleboard and Sean Murphy and Shane Reynolds and, and Corey and Magda with Boat won a national Addy last year. And it is a big damn deal.
1: And and we love to, support and champion creativity at every level, Chantel. So it's really important that we honor creativity no matter where it comes from. And, and the American Advertising Awards are just that. They celebrate the best across America. And believe me, there's great creativity, first of all, coming out of COVID, but also coming out of smaller and mid-sized markets where you know it's, it's really powerful creative that's full of insights and, and extremely well executed. So the craft of advertising should always be celebrated.
0: Yes. Well, that's so well said. And so let's talk about the fun in advertising a little bit. You referenced the Super Bowl and Super Bowl, you know, your work in the Super Bowl commercials. And I had the pleasure of seeing you address the Florida Public Relations Association, our local chapter, not too long ago. And there were some questions about your thoughts on uh, the latest and greatest Super Bowl commercials. It's so funny because in my house, my husband watches football but my super bowl are the commercials and i loved your story about you knew at a young age that advertising was really your thing my mom tells everyone i would watch tv but i was only watching the commercials from like being a baby and you don't realize that that's something that really intrigues you but it it is interesting i'm interested in hearing your thoughts and I think everyone that's listening is going to be interested in hearing your thoughts on uh, the latest Super Bowl commercials. Favorites, not so favorites. I mean.
1: Well, I'll tell you, first of all, um, Super Bowl is high stakes gambles for anyone and everyone who invests in it. It's and the stakes get higher every year, it seems. And, and so it's not for the meek and it's not for the amateurs, and it's not for people who, you know, think they have a really good idea. And it's few and far between the spots that actually make it through the cut and that endure and are really held up as sort of, you know, the greatest Super Bowl commercials of all time. And and uh, way back when, 2006 or seven, we won a primetime Emmy for one of our Super Bowl commercials. And for a brand like FedEx, punching well above their weight and going up against the Budweiser's and the Gillette's and the Visa's and the big spenders of the world, that was really quite an honor. And, it, you know, we, we took that honor in stride because we, we really worked hard on crafting that commercial just as well as we could. So there's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, it's a full year of run up work to, to the actual game day. And I'm like you, Chantel, the, the commercials to me are the good part. The, the game can wait. This year was a good game. That that's the other good news. But the, the commercials are what people really tune into and they're leaning in and they're paying attention and you've got their interest from the start, which is job one of most advertising, right? Yeah. For this year, I I had to, uh, and I live tweet the Super Bowl commercials every year. So if you go back and look at my Twitter, (laughs)
0: you'll
1: see uh, my least favorite and my favorite because I'm always uh, very unabashed about how I comment on those. And and fundamentally, I think everything that happened this year went into the commercials. It was a very difficult year to do outstanding commercial work in the Super Bowl because you had so many different considerations and so many raw emotions and and things that you had to think about and factor into it. So, you know, high marks to everybody who made the cut and got in the game. That's that's the first thing. My my favorite commercial honestly was, and this is polarizing to some degree, but I, I really enjoyed the Jeep commercial with Bruce Springsteen, a two-minute anthem, long form. Really, really intrigued by how they were able to pull it off the last minute, first of all. Secondly, and and get past all the other noise and just Detail out the script and the and the actual uh, message that was intended about finding common ground and let's all meet in the middle. I found that very inspiring and incredibly encouraging for the days ahead. And coming out of what we had been through the last 12 months, I thought it was a really spot-on emotional message. The fact that Bruce owns a Jeep in real life is is another point in their favor. But I just thought it was bold and took a few took a few risks. But I was I was excited to see it come together. The other fact is they didn't tease it. They didn't show it beforehand. So you're really looking forward to it and wanting to see it firsthand. And I thought it was great. I mean, the whole emphasis was on the Jeep, on Bruce and on America. And I thought it was a very, very powerful commercial.
0: I agree. It was above and beyond my favorite one of the day. Um, and,
1: and people will read into it anything that they want to. And and all the other noise that came out of it afterwards, you know, yeah. let's appreciate it for what it was in the moment. Yeah, blah, blah,
0: blah. I got a little teary that's how you know
1: <laughs> it did strike an emotional chord with a lot of people and and fundamentally you know part of part of an ad's real value is in connecting with your target audience and making sure that they walk away with the right messaging and i thought jeep did a pretty nice job of that yeah my least favorite commercial and you asked about that too so i'll be real quick about that but i thought that the oatly oat milk commercial and, and yeah, I know it's supposed to be bad and they wanted it to be bad, but a singing CEO off key uh, selling oat milk in the Super Bowl to me just is a big disconnect. And it was so cheesy and so bad that, that it wasn't so bad it was good. It was just bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've got very little tolerance for that because, again, I want to tell the good news about advertising and I want to advance advertising and I want to highlight the advertising that is so good and so powerful. And to me, that was neither.
0: Yeah, it was interesting because, you know, I have been intrigued by Oatley's print ads for the past, you know, the 12 months or even longer than that. Their print ads are really interesting. They they have none of the traditional kind of like layout and feel and, and everything. And so I thought, oh man, this is going to be, but it was too far off the deep end. It was, it was too far off where you started to ask yourself if you know anything about advertising. Who are they talking to and why did they spend all this money to talk to no one? And so like you, I, I felt like that missed the market. It wasn't my least favorite. I Oh my gosh, I should have written down, but it definitely ranked right up there with, I just didn't understand the use of resources for that particular placement.
1: And, and it's a shame because I, I love the product. I actually use Oatly Oatmeal with my cereal and I think it's awesome product, but bad ad.
0: I know. Great. I love their barista blend. It's so delicious. <laughs> so it didn't, it's not going to keep me from being a customer, but yes, definitely. Well, interesting. And I'm going to go back through your uh your Twitter feed and read all of your your thoughts on that because I I think that's super interesting as well. The play by play. We need our play by play. I love that Ed Age does a little play play, play by play too. That's pretty cool. So I don't want to run out of too much time, but I, I do want to touch on diversity and inclusion before we wrap because you know everyone's like oh it's a hot topic and it's like it's really not a hot topic it's an important issue and and it's really at the core and the fun and and the foundation of what you guys do at AAF you guys are even looking for someone to fill a position on your staff that is an expert in this arena anything you would like to share about that?
1: Well, a couple of things, Chantel, and thank you for bringing that to the to the forefront because it's always been part of the DNA of the AAF, and and the Mosaic Principles, which we wrote over two decades ago, <laughs> have been in place for you know longer than than some of our members have been alive. And and the Mosaic Principles lay out in very simple language, very straightforward guidelines on how you should conduct yourself, your company, your business, and your actions to be diverse, to be inclusive, and and to show equity across the board. And so. It's not a recent topic for us. We've been, we've been working hard in the trenches on this important uh, area for, for over two decades with decent results at every turn. The, the advertising world has come a long way from where it was 20 years ago. I can assure you of that. We still have a long way to go. And so the need for our services are greater than ever. And we, we do so much work in this area. I'd, I'd need another 30 minutes to tell you the whole story about what we do. But it starts at our most promising multicultural students. Each year, we're able to honor and celebrate 50 of the top most promising multicultural students from across North America. We're only restricted by bandwidth and resources. I would love for that to expand to the top 100 most promising students, but we only have enough funds to, to do 50 at this point. That's a life changer for these young people who are thoroughly vetted through not only their college professor, but also their community and the AF chapter in that community. So we put out there each year at least 50 young people who become at the start of the talent pipeline to keep the advertising leadership fresh, renewed, and full of the right diverse candidates. So we're very, very proud of that work. We don't get an awful lot of attention for it for whatever reason, but it's one of my favorite things that we do each year. Uh, The Mosaic Awards actually follow that. Uh, They'll be in April this year, and we're really excited to bring the Mosaic 10, which are the top 10 multicultural moments of the year. They don't have to be an ad. They can be an event. They can be an experiential marketing piece. They can they can be, you know, a moment in time, but they're always different and they're always inspiring. So I encourage your listeners to make sure they tune into the Mosaic 10 Awards in April and, and see firsthand the things that really happened last year that, that helped show positivity around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then, and then we also do we're working very hard right now on bringing HBCUs into that national student ad competition and being able to have AAF chapters on HBCU campuses. We started with zero. We're at seven now, and the goal is to get to 20 in the next year. A lot of corporate support for that work that's important. And and just to have HBCUs on the same level playing ground that every other college and university is on. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're finding people that want to help support that worthwhile program and, and help us fund the start of an HBCU college chapter on on many of those campuses. I'm I'm really excited about that.
0: Yeah, Uh, that's something huge to be proud of, I think, Steve. I mean, I love your website and everything, the AAF website and everything that you bring to the forefront about diversity inclusion because at the end of the day, if we care about the best idea, we should care about thought diversity and we should care about bringing every single person to the table in order to bring those ideas to the forefront.
1: Agree 100%, Chantel. And, and fundamentally, and I've mentioned teamwork working, working as a part of a team in a couple of different comments here, but advertising of all disciplines really requires that you put down your ego and work as part of a team. And again, we're the unifying voice for advertising. Everyone gets to have a voice regardless of their background or their skill set or their socioeconomic background. Great work comes out of listening to people's voices and ideas and the more diverse and, and rich uh, mashup of, of different cultures in a team, the better the work's gonna be. It just stands to reason that you're gonna be more representative of the world at large if you bring in different viewpoints. And people who are scared of that or cautious of that, you know, are never gonna be able to do great work because they're gonna be very, very self-centered and very focused on just their own opinions. And, and that's not what advertising is about. We wanna bring together a richness of diversity Many different backgrounds and ideas, and and ultimately that that helps ensure that you're doing great work.
0: That is so well said. And my promise to you, Steve, is that we will have a diversity and inclusion officer on our board. It is a priority for us. We have a baby board right now, but uh, we certainly want that to be the right individual, someone that can teach us and lead us towards bringing um, more diverse advertising to our local area and more awareness and more opportunities for inclusion. So it is totally top of mind for us down here.
1: Well, and that, that, that warms my heart to hear that, Chantel. We, we have tons of resources and a great staff that's willing to help you and, and make sure that you do all the right things in the right ways. And they actually, again, become a connection point to make sure that you have a network of resources all across North America can connect and plug in with other clubs that are going through the same kind of thing and, and to be you know at the forefront of doing the right things the right ways.
0: That's fantastic. Well, we're nearing our the end of our time together, but I want to ask you, you know, we do this uh, little kind of like segment for our team on what we're reading, watching, and listening to. That's our RWL. And is there anything fun that or anything that you'd like to share that's just incredibly intriguing or think would be other great for other people to read, watch, or listen to at this time? You have a huge bookcase behind you, so I know you're a reader, but...
1: Um, <laughs> I am, and most of those are advertising books, which um, read and then gone back and reread. Right now, I'm I'm really into biographies, and I've been very very focused on using some of my downtime to get caught up in in reading. And I went back and reread the Steve Jobs biography recently because I was always fascinated by that. And many people don't know, but he came through Memphis to have his have his surgery and his kidney transplant, and so that it's got a Memphis connection as well. But just you know, what what a (laughs) what an individual completely and totally focused on perfection and getting the right things right. And, and, you know, for all his, for all his bad habits, he really was very, very passionate about what he worked on. And I'm always going to favor passionate people who are committed to what they're doing. So for me, that's a a lesson learned about completely being passionate. So that's what I'm reading, watching. uh, I've been very, very, you know, like everybody, I've I've worn out my Netflix queue quite a bit. (laughs) I will encourage your your viewers. There's a great new series on Netflix. It's called "Buried by the Bernards."
0: Okay, never heard of that.
1: It's it's a funeral home in Memphis. Okay, family run, and it gives a great look at, at Memphis. But it's also this family business. They're in the funeral business. It's it's fascinating to me because of the Memphis backdrop, but also because of the family dynamic and they're trying to build this business. It, you won't find it on most queues on Netflix. You got to go looking for it buried by the Bernards. It's, it's fun for me to see Memphis in the backdrop, but also to see the dynamics of family run business and, and uh, all the different things that they go through as a family. Uh, that's what I'm watching. And then listening, you know, I've really gotten hooked on clubhouse and I'm spending a lot of time late at night, and because I'm an insomniac, I'll, I'll tune in, you know, at odd hours. They don't have an advertising model yet, and I'm not sure they're going to figure that out anytime soon. But for me, it's nice to just drop into rooms and hear people talking about various subjects. You can catch up on Brazilian music in one room and then jump over and hear women comedians in another room, you know. The AAF has started a, a clubhouse count, and we're, we're going to do some... Uh, some interesting programming in the weeks ahead, and we'll, we'll push out information on that through the AF social media channels. We hope you'll be following us along in that. But we want to use that platform for our expertise and to connect our members across the country and see what takes there. So that's what I'm listening to is a lot of Clubhouse.
0: That's fantastic. That's also what I'm listening to. I love Clubhouse and I'm trying to start a, a club, a pottery club is kind of my hobby. So, but it hasn't been approved, but I love getting there and just listening and being totally immersed and um, participating. I've participated a few times. And so it's been interesting how, okay. So to wrap up here, because we've talked about so many amazing things, I feel like people are going to Stop listening to this episode and be like, "Holy crap! How do I find you on social media?" So, Twitter, your Clubhouse tags. How, how do we find you, Steve?
1: You know, I'm it's Steve Pacheco, S-T-E-V-E-P-A-C-H-E-C-O on on all those platforms. I'm not hard to find. Uh, if you tell me you're an AAF member, I'll connect with you right away. Is my promise. And then anybody else interested in advancing advertising or having a discussion around it, I'm usually pretty quick to reach out as well. So I'm, I'm not hard to find. And then do follow the AAF national accounts on all your social media feeds. That's actually been our best conduit to get information out during, during the lockdown. And, and we refresh the website regularly, but, but our social media is the best way to keep up with us too.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and you're kind of our, just our Steve Jobs, Steve, you're our Steve. <laughs> Uh, in the advertising world. So thank you for everything you've done and all the paths that you've paved for all of us. So we appreciate you so much.
1: Well, thank you, Chantel. And thank you for this time. And I, I'm really enjoying it. It's been fun for me. I'll just end with this. It's, advertising is my passion. Making it even better is something I feel very passionate about. And I want to look back at the end of my days and be able to say that I gave back to the industry that was so good to me. Uh, a little kid from Memphis trying to compete on the world stage, it's its not an easy task. But through the AF and through the connections I've made there, you know, I, I made some waves and some dents in the universe out there. And I feel really good about that. And now I want to spend the back half of my career giving back and making sure that other people get the chance to do just the same.
0: That's fantastic. Well, again, I'm so grateful for this time and the opportunity to learn from you and uh, for you to present to our listeners. If you guys have any questions, you can find Steve. I'm sure he will be happy to answer you in the social media space, but you can also send us an email, hello at francisroy.com. And I'm, that's where I'm going to end it because I don't know that I can end it better than you. But next Monday, we'll have a new guest in a new episode. And thank you for being with us. We appreciate you.
1: Thanks, Gentil.